listening to episode 15, chapter 4 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lamberth. And I'm Josh Havens. We're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He will help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. Today, we're continuing our conversation with Pastor Daryl Dash. Daryl is a pastor and church planter in Toronto with over 25 years of ministry experience. He also has a doctorate of ministry degree from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. He's written the book, How to Grow, Applying the Gospel to All of Life. He currently serves as the pastor of Liberty Grace Church in Toronto. He and his wife Charlene are co-founders of The Gospel for Life, and they are both passionate about helping people grow. I'm really good at getting overwhelmed by starting a new project. This is especially true when it comes to starting new habits for my own spiritual growth. I'll, I'll try to start everything all at once. So if I'm looking at, for instance, Daryl's three basic habits of Bible reading, prayer, and fellowship in a community, I would want to naturally start all three of those all at the same time and spend like two hours reading the Bible, an hour in prayer, and make sure that I'm at the church every time the doors are open. That's just kind of how I approach things in life. As a kid, I would be told to clean my room, and inevitably, I would take this same approach and want to deep clean everything in my room. So I'd clean off all the shelves and put everything into a big pile in the middle of the floor. But then I hit a problem. That pile in the middle of the floor overwhelmed me and I ended up not getting my room cleaned. But we can do a lot of the same things when it comes to our own spiritual development and putting habits in place that will allow us to grow. We can say, I want to start everything all at once, and I got to do this right. And in this chapter, Daryl has some great basic practices that we can put into place to help us get past some of these obstacles that we face when starting new habits. And one of the most practical pieces of advice that he gives in this episode to me is this challenge to start simple. So let's say I'm struggling, you know, I know I need to read the Bible and pray and and go to church. Let's say maybe, okay, I got the church thing down. There's something I do want to hit on if we have time on on fellowship with with the community. But let's just say I need to start practicing Bible reading and prayer. How do I begin? What's the best way to, for me to go about introducing these habits? You've got seven best practices. Yeah. One thing I, I say is to start small. Well, a lot of people I know, they really begin by trying to do too much. And this is a classic, you know, it's New Year's Day. I'm going to, from now on, I'm going to do whatever. And, you know, it's really good to start small. And I know if you've read a lot of stuff about habits, you know this. Uh, instead of setting this huge goal, set a goal that you, you're 80 to 90% comfortable that you're going to achieve and make it, we keep reducing it until it's going to be uh, so simple for you to accomplish. And then shape the environment. So, you know, one of the things I do is uh, I, I just make it very easy in the morning to get up and uh, everything's all set for me to first thing, open my Bible. I want it to be easier to open my Bible than it is to open my smartphone. And just setting the environment so that you know, your, your environment shapes your behavior. So what are some things you can do to set up your, your home, uh, or your workplace or whatever, so that you can engage in these practices and then use the triggers and rewards, uh, that, you know, 
for me, a trigger in the morning is my alarm goes off and it's like, okay, I know that's my cue to get up and do my devotions. And my reward when I'm done is, okay, now I can check my phone. I can, I try not to do it right away, but when I'm done, then I can kind of get up and, um, I mean, the benefit is to know that I've spent that time with the Lord, but it helps to have sort of, you know, a, a reward, uh, at the end of that as well, that, that your brain can latch onto as being like, okay, that was good. And then I think focus on making progress. Uh, and by that, I mean, a lot of us are perfectionists. We figure if we don't do it perfectly, we may as well give up. And the whole idea of, I think the saying is progress, not perfection. If you're getting a little bit better, like you're not doing it perfectly, but you're heading in the right direction, celebrate that and keep going. Even when you fail, uh, Another, I think I'm on number six right now. I know nobody's keeping track of this, but I love this one. This is my wife. Uh, we're so different. And so number six is to know yourself. If I tell Charlene how I do my, say, devotions, how I read the Bible and pray every day. In fact, I did do this. I told her about a Bible reading plan that I thought she should follow. Three months later, she came back and she said, you've just ruined my devotional life. I said, what did you mean? She said, you took something that works for you and you imposed it on me. I'm completely different from you. So I think number six is know who you are. Like if you're not a morning person, don't do your devotions in the morning. If you like variety, you know, look for ways to sprinkle variety into how you pursue God. Uh, if you're an extrovert, find a way to engage in these, these core habits with other people. But you need to know who you are and what works for you. And then number seven, you've, you've talked about this already. You pay attention to resistance. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, you know, we're, as we record this, uh, we're in starting to head into the good weather. But in the middle of winter, I lose a lot of energy. And when my alarm goes off at six in the morning, I'm like, man, why is it so hard to get up and read my Bible today? Well, paying attention to resistance is actually, maybe there's a good reason why it's hard. Like maybe it's the middle of winter and you need an extra hour of sleep. So, you know, paying attention to resistance is just paying attention when you feel like you're getting stuck and beginning to troubleshoot and uh, notice what's going on so that you can adjust your habits so that they continue to work. But, you know, basically it's all about uh, Duhigg and other people have written about this, James Clear recently. It's just all about building really good habits. And uh, I think that they're, you know, even though many of those books aren't Christian, they're really helpful in helping us understand how to build habits that will help us grow in our walk with God. Absolutely. And, and uh, they're not Christian, but they do help us understand the way God has made us, the way our, our brains work, the brain chemistry and, and anatomy, and uh, we can really use that to our advantage. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love those. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the seven habits, absolutely um, important. But none of this stuff happens um, in isolation or a vacuum. As much as, like, we, we or it, it, let me say it this way, it shouldn't happen in isolation and a vacuum. That's, that's definitely the American church's problem is that we have isolated ourselves, you know, very individualistic. I'm not sure about the, the Canadian church as much. Maybe you guys don't have as big a problem with that. No, we're the same. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> fellowship within the community, though, is such an important part of these core habits. And um, you, you talked about it earlier in the book that I sort of jumped over, 
And I wanted to ask, what role does the church community play in our growth? Because you talk about an African proverb that says, if you want to go quickly, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And we try to grow by ourselves um, all the time, unencumbered by the quirks and demands of others. But if we want to go far with growth, we must grow in community. Biblical community is one of, the God, uh, one of God's most powerful tools for growth. But what I have to ask is, is how do we lean into the messiness of that growth when, we, when we're in community like that and walk with others? What have you found helpful as you have done this and as you pastor others to do this as well? Yeah, I, I always tell people who have, have experienced the frustration of being in Christian community, it is messy. Like, I completely get it. It is inconvenient. It's annoying many times. Uh, I love the book title, Uncomfortable, recently. Uh, it's just uncomfortable. There's a cost to it. And yet there's no other way to do it. So uh, I often think of, I think it was Scott Peck that wrote uh, a really good article on the levels of community. And he talks about surface community. And then he talks about uh, this, uh, the surface community calls pseudo community. It's not the real thing. And then you enter this level of conflict. And a lot of people enter that level because you're in the process of getting real with each other. And when a lot of us hit that area of conflict, we just back right up to pseudo community and we stay there. But he says, if you persist through the mess, you get to genuine community. And once you've hit genuine community, there is nothing like it, but it comes at the cost of going through that messiness in the middle. And, you know, I would say that's been the story of my marriage. Like we began when I married my wife, we began at this pseudo community level. We kind of thought, but I don't know about you, but man, things got messy. And I kind of thought this is way harder than I thought it would be. And then we broke through and now I wouldn't go back. So I would say to people like, just because it's hard doesn't mean that good, good things aren't happening. It could be that you're moving to that genuine community piece. And once you get there, there's nothing like it. Uh, you know, I, I remember preaching on uh, the armor of God in Ephesians 6. And uh, one of my friends came up and he said, you know what part you missed? I said, no. And he said, uh, you're almost preaching like the armor of God is meant for an individual soldier going into battle. He's like, how many armies have you seen? composed of a single soldier going into battle. And he said, you know, the, the whole armor of God is meant to be, it's not written to an individual, it's written to a church. We're meant to live the Christian life together. I think I say in the book, we ought to read the Bible, most of the New Testament is not you singular, but y'all, right? Like it's written to you as a, a collective group of people. So man, it's tough, but we can't afford to live the Christian life on our own. We're meant to live it together. And that comes at a cost, but it is so worth it. Yeah. One of my favorite community uh, quotes it came from a Mennonite. And again, so they're, they're, they live in these isolated, small communities, and they have to really learn what it means to, to live in a community. And so he said, real community is where the person you hate the most always is. And then when he dies or leaves, someone else that's worse takes their place. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, and, and not to say that it, it should all be uh, terrible, but that's, what we're, that's really what's at stake when we're wrestling with the community is, is there are those people that are sometimes there, and 
we have to learn how to offer them grace as God has offered us grace and, and love them and cherish them as brothers and sisters. And so um, and that's really where that, when that friction happens, this is where that growth really is able to happen. So, And I actually think it's by God's design. Like I think God places those people within the church, not as, as something that is contrary to his plan, but it's actually part of the beauty of the church that, and, and by the way, I think we're that, probably those people to other people as well, right? We're maybe the people that other people struggle with. <laughs> and I think that, I think that about my, my, uh, I think I'm that to my wife a lot of times yes. too. So <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, Daryl, this has been just a great conversation. I wish we could just sit down and keep talking for hours. There's still so much I know that we could dive into and, and go into more detail, but that's okay because people need to go out and buy your book. Um, again, we've just sort of scratched the surface and there's more stuff that they could get into. Where can people go to buy your book and find out more about you? Yeah, I, if you go to my uh, website is Dash House, uh, D-A-S-H, and then house, uh, two H's in the middle, dot com. And that's my personal website. Uh, my wife and I started a ministry uh, kind of based on the principles of the book called Gospel for Life, F-O-R, uh, life.com. And uh, then just anywhere you can buy good books, Amazon or uh, Barnes & Noble, anything like that, uh, you can pick up the book. But yeah, I'd love to hear from you. If anybody wants to email me, just go to my website and hit contact. I'd love to hear from you as well. And you do have a really great resource on Gospel for Life um, that I meant to mention when we were talking about the six stages. You have a little assessment on there that you can take and sort of assess where you're at, maybe if you want to see where you're at in those six stages. But uh, Absolutely, yeah. So, um, well, Daryl, again, thank you so much. Any last words that you would like to, to say before we uh, sign off? <clears throat> yeah, I just want to say uh, I, the one thing that I find people really believe is that God can't use them. And I just want to encourage anybody who might be listening, your life matters. Uh, God uses our weaknesses, not just our strengths. And so, uh, you know, I end the book uh, with this chapter of people who've influenced me, and they probably thought they were a bunch of nobodies who had a lot to grow and a lot to learn. And I, yeah, I just want to encourage anybody who might be listening that God uh, is using your life, and he will continue to use you even in your weaknesses. And, and uh, I just want to encourage you that your life matters. Thank you so much, Pastor Darrell. Thank you, Chris. So as you work to create a lifestyle of discipleship and cultivate a life of growth, know this. You don't have to do it alone. We're all in this together. And no matter what your situation is or what kind of church you're going to, Josh and I would like to send out a personal invite for you to join us in the Daily Growth Discipleship community. And if you want to join us in learning how to create a lifestyle of discipleship, please head on over to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and click on that link to get started. We have five steps, and we would love for you to join us. Step three is walk with someone else. And so we want you to connect with people in your own area and community, but we also are trying to build a community online here at Daily Growth Discipleship. And with that being said, I would like to tell you guys about a really cool opportunity that we have going on right now. We want you to also engage with Pastor Daryl's book, How to Grow, because we think it's that important. It's such a simple and yet practical book for helping us understand the gospel and implement growth in our life. And so we want to give away five copies of the book. 
So head on over to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com slash pages slash giveaway to find out how you can enter this contest to win a free copy of Daryl Dash's book, How to Grow. Thanks for listening to the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. If you want to stay up to date with everything that's happening at Daily Growth, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. Or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Spotify.